You could get them, but can you keep them? Welcome back to another episode of the Girl Stop Playing Podcast. It's your favorite homegirl, Coriel, here to encourage you to stop playing with your potential and start working for what you want in life and in love. You already know I'm bringing you the information and the conversations to help you make the money and get the honey. You can have it all as long as you are willing to work. And on today's episode, I get to introduce you to a true working woman who is making the money and getting the honey, and completing her doctorate degree, y'all. We got Dr. Sherry Riley in the building. Hello, my love. It's so good to see you. So good to see you. We were just talking um, before the show started about how much has changed since the last time we saw. I think the last time we saw each other was pre-pandemic. Yep. So the world has literally changed. Yes. I've had two children. I know. As crazy as that sounds. I love it. You've become a doctor. Yes. And I want to know all the other things that have 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 changed, have come about. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Now, I did not warn you, mm-hmm. but here's your on-air warning, okay? Season two is not conversations about business. Yep. I'm about to get in your yes. business. I'm about to get in your okay. business. Are you I'm, ready? Oh, my God. When you I ready? say that's so perfect. Okay. Because, you know, that's, that's my whole exponential living. Like, we're more than just our career. So I love that. So let's start there. Because yes. you are known... I think you're known for your your exponential uh, living, I guess, theory or process or program. What does that mean? Exponential living is when you understand the power of peace, clarity, and courage, and understand that you can have a great career and mm. a great life. Not one or the other. And especially for us as black women, we think it's one or the other, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be. So that's exponential living. Where do you think that theory came from that you can either be super successful in business or you can be married or you can be this, but not both. Yeah. Honestly, it goes back to slavery and the broken home, but we're going to fast forward. Okay. Um, I think it got to this point where so many women were hurt that they took on this shell of I'll show you Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to become this and make you wish you had me. And then that mindset, that's a part of it. Then you had so many mothers who were having to be superwomen and they had to raise their children. And so they taught their daughters and they pampered their sons. Come on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's this cultural reality that I hope we as a culture and a community understand that there are great black men, there are great black women, and we can do it together. We have to do it together. We have to do it together. I'm so big on, you know, I came from talking, I'll say 80% of the time, about entrepreneurship on the previous podcast. And I really started to feel like I was a part of the problem okay. because there's so many voices saying, make all the money, make all the money, start the business, do all of these things. And then they never talk about starting a family. They never talk about preparing for the most important roles of wife and mother. And so I'm like, okay, I, if I want something different, we got to start doing something different personally. So I knew that I wanted something different. I wasn't willing to follow in the footsteps of even my mom who was married for two decades. It wasn't the marriage that I wanted. I was not willing to follow in the footsteps of my cousins and my aunts that just had kids but didn't have weddings, you know, never got married. That wasn't a part of it. So consciously making the decision to do something different because I wanted something different, but that's not 
that doesn't click for everybody. That's not mm-hmm. a natural thing for everybody. We usually do what we've seen. And a lot of us, as you said, saw our mom either struggling. So we're like, no, we are not going to struggle because we're not going to repeat that. Or we saw her being a superhero. So we think we have to be a superhero and do all of the things as well. How do you think we can start the unlearning process? It's so interesting you say that because I was an anomaly. So when I was at LaFace Records, when I resigned and people asked me, why did I resign? I literally said, because I want to be a wife and a mother. I know people thought you were just like, oh, they thought I was crazy. What was your what was your (laughs) not even like your defense, but. I know you repeated yourself like so many times trying to explain yourself. What was that that space or that season like for you? Because had you already met your husband or were you doing no. this in anticipation? Oh, I hadn't met him. It was a decade before I met him. Mm. And on top of it, I decided to be celibate. Mm. So I was celibate for 10 years. Shut your mouth. I, exactly. What, what, okay, wait a minute. What, what, oh, you said you wanted listen, to talk about so the what, other side, right? Let's talk about it. So yeah. what led to that? Uh, my relationship with God, mm-hmm. honestly, my relationship with God. I, um, oh God, do I tell this whole story? Okay, we're going to tell it. So I um, literally, I mean, I, I enjoyed myself, okay. right? And um, there was a gentleman that, you know, we've been hooking up since college, bottom line. And I was, you know, going to spend a New Year's with him. And in that place and space, I had really started to give my life to God in a different way and grow my relationship in a different way. I had at this point resigned from LaFace. Um, I had started my business. Uh, I had a strategic consulting firm for 17 years. and But I knew that there was a life that I wanted that was going to be everything I desired, but it was going to come at a cost. Um, and so literally as I'm going to spend this New Year's with with this gentleman. And um, I was just, I knew, God said, you can either, you know, hook up or you can go the path that I have for you. And Mm. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Um, But I also knew I didn't think I would be strong enough to resist um, because I enjoyed this. We had a good time. Um, But the great thing about it is I committed to the journey. Mm -hmm. I committed to the journey. And when I got there, we, you know, it was New Year's Eve. We got back home and he was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm really in a different place right now. I'll sleep on the couch. And I was like, okay, God, when you said, you know, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Because I never in my wildest imaginations what I think he was in that place. And he was too. Mm. Um, and then after that, it was just the benefits were greater than the moment of the hookup because I I learned how to have a real relationship. I dated a guy two years and we never were were intimate because and then I learned when you argue, I learned ways to make up because usually when you argue, you know, the make up sex. Yeah. yeah. Well, we learned ways to, to make up differently. I learned how to communicate. I learned how to date. I learned how to receive. I learned how to understand that if a man is with me every day for two years and literally we don't end our night that way, he really wants to be with me. So what happened to him? Two years ago? I knew that he was not my husband. Mm. At what point? Year Um, two? uh -uh, I knew pretty much from the beginning. And it was just dating. Mm, Okay. But we were growing, but, and then there was definitely moments I knew. I honestly should have ended it maybe a year in. Mm, Okay. Um, But it was still a part of the growing process. Um, And then, but I I learned how to be appreciated. But the other thing is I learned how to appreciate men. 
Like I learned how to allow men to have their vulnerabilities. I learned how to get past their egos and really see where they are. Um, I learned how to communicate and not just talk at, mm-hmm. right? Um, so being celibate, it forced me to mature as a woman. And then fast forward, it's helped me so much in the work that I do. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Well, that was not expected. I, absolutely so, not. From me or you. Listen, look good. I'm going to bring it on out of you. On this on this 10-year journey of celibacy, did you ever find yourself giving up on faith, giving up faith in God's promise? Um, I didn't give up faith in the promise, but I got weak in my faith mm. um, because I literally was like, okay, year one then year two, then year three, then year four. Um, But every year mattered when I did meet my husband because I had gotten to a place where I said, you know what, if I'm meant to be single, I'm going to enjoy being single. But I believe I'm going to get married, and I'll never have this experience of being single again, so let's enjoy it. And when I got to that place of enjoying being single, not feeling like it was drudgery, not feeling like I was paying the price, not feeling like this is the cost I got to pay for a good marriage, when I finally accepted, no, this is a great space to be in because I believe one day I am going to have what I call my A plan. Um, So when I met my husband, um. I I was the woman I wanted to be. I was truly the woman I wanted to be. And that's the light that drew him to me. When the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, my husband found me. Because I was not looking. But for those 10 (laughs) years, you were preparing. Yeah. And so... That, that is, I think, the key is is that we as women, we prepare for all of those accomplishments you mentioned, the the degrees, the certifications, the all, all of the things. We, we prepare for those things, and we're super proud of them. Mm-hmm. But you ask a black woman, m- most, okay? Right. I'm not going to say all. Right. But you ask a black woman, you know, about marriage, about a man, and it's like, I don't need no man. Right. What, what, what I got to do? What, go tell him to do. You know, like, it's, it's just like a you instantly got an attitude. What is that? And it's and there's a difference between being a great woman and being a great wife. Mm-hmm. And I didn't learn that until probably year 10, <laughs> maybe year eight of being married, that I was a great woman. I was a great entrepreneur. I'm a phenomenal businesswoman. But I had to learn how to be a good wife. And when I committed to being a good wife, I became better at all those other things. So we have to, especially as black women, be okay with learning how to be a good wife. Oh, teach but it, me something. Teach it me goes something. back to the vulnerability. Well, okay. one, there's some stuff you just got to let go. Okay. Right? You just got to let some stuff go. Like and I'm pick not, my battles? Is that what you, you mean? You got to pick your battles. Oh. And, and, and here's the thing. We know fidelity. That's something different. I ain't talking about let that go. Right? I'm talking about little things like... I want the commode seat down when he flushes it. He doesn't. I let it go. (laughs) I let it go. Because you're the crazy one if you keep expecting something different. I let it go, right? Um, But there's certain things that are my standard Mm. that he elevates to. So if you're always, always making him work, where's his peace? And what I found is when I pour into my husband, when I admire him, when I pour into him, it gives him the courage to go out there and fight the battle Mm -hmm. and then come home. And he just wants to be king in his home. Well, him being king doesn't minimize me being queen. And I think that's the battle we get into is that we want both of us to be king. When I was in college, the greatest advice, the greatest advice I ever got on how to be a wife was from a guy I was dating. 
And he saw the, t- you know, I was bad in college. I was at one. <laughs> I was had my own radio program. I was, I was managing DJs. I was doing what it all in college. To? University of Louisville. Okay. Yes. And so, um, you know, we was kicking it or whatever. And he was like, you know, Sherry, the thing about my mother, and at that time she was a senior VP. He said, the thing about my mother is that, you know, she's a boss at work. She's a senior VP. She runs this. She manages that. But when she drives into our driveway, she takes that senior VP hat off. And when she walks in the front door, she's Mrs. Jackson. She's my mom. And I got it. But when I implemented it, I really understood it in my marriage. And that is who I am when I run the world outside of my home is not how I show up as a wife. As a wife, I have to understand how to pour into my husband. Mm -hmm. I have to understand how to encourage him and know that that doesn't minimize me. And then he lifts me up. Like, my husband is one of the ones that's like, girl, go do what you do. Like, I'm like, I travel a lot. My husband has no issues with me traveling, right? He knows the work I do Mm -hmm. with professional athletes. A lot of times I'm in their world, just me and them, doing the work that I do with them. My husband doesn't trip because... We're so secure in our relationship, Mm -hmm. but that's because we know how to be a king and a queen together. And it goes back to that vulnerability. We don't want to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is not weakness. Mm. Vulnerability is your strength, right? Vulnerability is your power. Vulnerability is when you can, as you do with your children, girl, you can look at your babies and they get it. Well, that's the same thing you can do with your husband, Mm. right? You can look at your husband with a smile and he get it. So what would you say is an example of the difference between like year one through seven and then when you like mastered it. What is the difference between the Sherry at the start and the Sherry once she's figured this out? The Sherry at the start thought I could run my marriage the way I run my company. I am not going to (laughs) cry. And what that means is I thought if I showed up in excellence, if I had it all together, if I made sure that everything was taken care of, Um, if I managed everything like I successfully did in my business, that that would equate to a successful marriage. And so that meant that I never showed my vulnerabilities. Mm. A man has to be a man, but if you never allow yourself to be a woman instead of a boss. And so I had to trust enough that if I showed my challenges, if I cried, like you said, you never saw your mother cry. Um, If I allowed myself to receive what I wanted, right? We say we want this, but then we don't get out of the way to have it, right? When I got over some of my idiosyncrasies and stopped trying to hold him accountable to my issues, let let me give you the real one. Um, When I learned that my insecurities was not his problem, Mm. right? I had to grow in my own confidence and show up in my confidence And my insecurities, he can't fix those. He can't love them away. He can't buy them away with gifts. Um, I had to honestly go do that work for myself. Mm. And so year one, I was still running my marriage like my business. Year 10, if all of it fell apart, I had to trust that he would pick us up. I had to trust that I could get up. And that's where we are now. Again, it's like... We're going to need like a part two or something because I'm going to have to go back and watch this and then think about all the things that I should have asked you because it's so much. Gosh, you're saying so much because I think a big part, I'm sure you've seen like the whole feminine conversation, feminine, you know, black women are not feminine. We need to be more, that type of thing. In my mind, 
it's what you just said about receiving because feminine energy is the receiving energy, right? We say we want all of these things, but then we never slow down enough, get still enough, have enough faith to receive. And you can literally be staring your husband in the face, but your guard is up so, so far. Your wall is up so, so thick, right? You are, you are waving around your degrees like a shield and you are not ever able to receive what God has literally sent right in front of you because you are so busy trying to have it all together, trying to run a relationship like you run your business. I think the way that you just, you know, the way that you just explained that so many women are going to get it. Because as you mentioned, we want to be the queen, right? We we don't have any problem trying to step into that role, but then we don't want to allow the man to be the king. Yeah, And so it's a disconnect. Yeah. It's a disconnect. And I think, unfortunately, so many women, like, we're brilliant in business. We're brilliant, you know, at work. But then we come home and we're not using our logic at all. It's just complete emotion. Because logically, it makes sense that a masculine man wants a feminine woman. That's, that makes sense emotionally, I don't want to be feminine. I'm just as strong as you. We're equal. I should be able to, you know, like it's emotionally, I feel like we should be able to both, you know, wear the hat or both wear the pants or both, you know, be in charge. And that's not how it works. And the thing is, I'm a tomboy. Mm. Like I'm a tom, I watch my, <laughs> I watch ESPN all day long. And you work in sports though. Too, and right? I work in sports. Yeah. So when my husband came, when we were dating, he came to pick me up and ESPN was on, Sports Center was on. And I was getting ready. And then, you know, a month later, he was like, yo, your TV really is always on ESPN. Like, I thought you he did that for me. From, yeah. Right. So I, I say that to say, like, that's one of the areas I had to grow in because I'm, I've never been that feminine girl. I'm not I don't you know, you're not going to see me sitting around talking to women about curtains and clothes. And that's just not me. Right. I can talk about the game. Um, so I had to release some things mm -hmm. about just how I carry myself because my husband, you know, he met me how I was. He met me doing what I do. So he's never tried to minimize that. But when he would say things to me that about the femininity he wanted to see, oh, I got a fan. What would he say? Oh, girl, baby, I wish you would dress this way. Mm. Well, when he would say that, I was like, oh, so you want me to be the hoe on the video? Oh, I was, oh, yeah. Come on. Can we give all of it? Give oh, it this all. was years. Give and I was all. so offended. I was just like, do you not, you know? Because to you, that said, well, you don't want what I am. You want me to be somebody else. Yes. And I missed it for decades. Like, I missed it. It's only been recently. Um, but it was, but it was that stronghold of everything we're talking about. Like, everything I'm sharing now is 18 years in. Mm -hmm. Not where I was. Where I was was the same place of, okay, he wants to minimize, he wants to take my, who I am. He doesn't want me to show up who I am. Don't he understand who I am? Well, the reality is it was never any of that. Mm. It was never any of that. And so when I said about the insecurities, those were my insecurities. Mm -hmm. It was my insecurities that I wouldn't receive what my husband was saying. And what my husband was saying is, girl, your body is the bomb. I just want I you to show it, it in a way that I can appreciate mm -hmm. it. And if everybody else appreciates, appreciates it, that's just their good. And so I missed it for a long time. But the reality was it wasn't his words that was cutting me. It was my lack of confidence to own that part of me. And it came from being a tomboy. It came from being in the music industry and making sure that I had the authority of a woman in a male-dominated world. It came from being in sports and not wanting to come off as offensive when I'm just trying to do my work. And so I created this 
hiding place. And I think mine was sports, but for other women, it's I'm the attorney, I'm the judge, mm -hmm. I'm the doctor. So we all create this hiding space that we don't want to be who we are. And so when he would tell me, you know, about this, he didn't call it feminine energy. He always, it was always around my clothes. I was so caught up in the clothes. But my insecurities heard, he don't like how you dress. He don't like how you dress. When the truth of the matter, all he was saying is, baby, I just want to see you in this the same way you were that. And uh, so it, it was a big, but this was a major issue for a long time. That's good. Because it manifested in so many different ways. Did we were it? going, oh my gosh. We had a major blow up one time um, at an event because, you know, all the women were in the pool. And I didn't want to get in the pool. And he was like, it, I mean, when I say it turned into a huge. Why didn't you want to get in the pool? Because I felt that being the boss that I am, that minimized who I was if I was frolicking in the pool. Girl, how crazy is that? It's and like, I, that's real. Wait, wait a minute. I look at the, the people. One. Yeah, look at the people. I'm the only one. That's I'm real. One. That's right? real. But the only thing I did was argue with my husband and missed out on a whole lot of fun. That part. <laughs> and then you look back and be like, was, it didn't even matter. Just being extra for mm -hmm. no reason. But that's the thing. We put up all of these barriers and these boundaries um, that we get trapped in. Because the man is free. Mm -hmm. We the one trap. Now, let me say this. None of this negates the responsibility of the man to be a man, right? We're not talking. That's a whole nother podcast. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what we can bring to meet that man that has already said he wants to be there. Yep. Who has already shown he wants to be there. We're talking about how to create peace. And how to not run his ass away. Oh, my God. Because we will run our husband right off. Yes. We'll run him off. And then you go back to praying to God and he like, sis, I already sent him. Or we'll you run, ain't want him. Or we'll run the one that was our husband off before he can even get to that yeah, point. Yeah. And then say, ain't no good black men. And then go back to praying to God. And God is like, but that, that, you didn't recognize him. Yeah. You didn't recognize. And all of them aren't going to come complete the same way you are. Most of them are not going to come complete. None of them are going to come Right. <laughs> Look, let's, let's, let's talk. But it, it took you doing your work. I'm yeah. assuming your husband was off doing his work for yes. you all to even be able to, to be in alignment and at still some point. It. So how did the husband come along? Because it's some girls watching. I know how y'all feeling, okay? Because I was you. When you are in that journey, you're in your 10 years. And you're like, yo. Where's he at? I used to say, this is what I, and I mean, I can, I said, I'm going to go back and find like all the interviews that I used to do when I was saying stuff about this husband, because I knew he was coming. Like you could not tell me mm -hmm. this husband wasn't coming. I knew I had so much faith, but I would say stuff like, yeah, he's on the way. His car broke down. You know, like he's on, God <laughs> has sent that. him to me. He has dispatched him. He's on the way. He's just taking a long time to get here. So I know how y'all feel. Y'all are like, God, I trust you, but come on. Where is he? Where did the husband come from? Like, give them some encouragement. What did the end of that 10 years look like for you to, for it to all come together and the husband show up? Yeah, so again, I had committed to being happy being single and enjoying it. Um, I was at an Atlanta Hawks basketball game. There were me, my special, my mom, my cousin, a couple friends. Um, and we had went to this jazz event um, prior to the Hawks game. And literally, I love his side of the story, how he tells it. But him and one of my good friends, a guy friend, uh, my husband's a Q, they, they came, like me and my special, I'm a Delta. And he says when he saw me, it was like Charlie Brown, like wonk, like everything was wonk, 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 wonk. Well, 
I basically thought this was a good guy for my cousin. Mm. <laughs> and so my best friend, my special, was like, she's an attorney, judge, all of that good stuff. So she is hammering him. Like, how many kids you got? I'm paying no attention. Because, um, again, I'm thinking this is someone from my husband, from my cousin. And so we end up later um, going to an event, and he walks up to me, and it was like, can I please have your number? Because I don't want to risk never seeing you again. Uh, girl, I gave him my 800 Sky Pager number. <laughs> so you were not interested? I, like, you... Because, again, literally, I said, give me a minute. Okay. And I went to the bathroom. My best friend came in with me. Girl, you got to have girls that know you. Mm -hmm. And literally, she was like, oh, I know what you're trying to do. Like, he don't want your cousin. Like, he's been checking for you all night. Um, and I just, I was oblivious because, again, I was in this place and space. I was so content. And I came out of the bathroom, and we danced, and we have been together ever since. But to your point of what it was, I was so in that space and place of me that I was that light, that energy um, that really drew him to me. But he had, we met in November. He had said in August, the August before we met, um, he was like, God, you know, if you bring someone that I can date, because he had never dated anybody, never dated. He, he'd been kicking it, but he hadn't dated. He had so no, no committed serious, no relationships. serious relationships. He had just got it in. And so he was like, in August, God, if you bring someone that I can seriously date, I'll, I, will I will seriously date. And we met in November. And literally in December, he changed his phone number. I didn't get it at the time, but he changed his phone number. And uh, that's that, big, ladies. That was, that was big. We um, we started dating, and we both. He knew before I knew. He knew that's, before I knew. I think I that's know. how it works. Yeah, he knew before I knew. Mm -hmm. Um, and by March, uh, we knew. And so, what I tell women all the time: I was celibate ten years. I was single. Um, but though the Bible says, "Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will come." And it was like that. Like, we met in November. He knew in December. I knew in January. We knew in March. Um, and it was just like that. Were you celibate with your husband? Um, we did slip. No, wait. was a slip. <laughs> How did I know? We I did just slip. But yeah. what was the... But, but I'm sure at the uh, but start, can I tell you, you didn't plan on it, we right? We did not. So how did he take the news that you are celibate? Well, when we first met, it was very early that I said... So it was a while. It was months and months and months before the slip. Mm -hmm. But we literally, um, it, honestly, he said the most powerful thing. Uh, and he said he was glad because it took the pressure off. And the thing is, is what I realized in that time of celibacy is men feel this pressure that they have to, even when they don't want to. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, it took the bricks off. And it was like, wow, now we get to know each other. And so it was a relief for him. Wow. It was a relief for him. That yeah. is unexpected. Yeah, I know, and right? And also, <laughs> you said he was out here kicking it, so yeah. you were a breath of fresh air. And I've heard, I've heard so many men talk about the one mm -hmm. that didn't let him do what all the other ones did. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. And so I think you separated yourself from the crowd. Even, you know, with you, like, being where you were and him recognizing, once he got to know you, I think you were so different from probably all the other, you know, people who he had known private, uh, previously that you were like, he's like, this is it. And because of who I was, he had to show up differently. Mm -hmm. So he met a him he didn't know. You ha he, had he had to raise, never rise dated, to your standard. Because everybody, they just, you know, what we call Netflix and chill mm -hmm. now, that, you know. He never dated because he never had to. He was a black man in Atlanta at this time with a great job, you know. Like, he was 
he could just choose what he wanted. And because, uh, and which is true of so many men, mm-hmm. period, Atlanta or not. Um, but he had to show up differently. And the other caveat is my husband's nine years younger than I am. Mm, <laughs> you know? Okay. Does that make you a cougar? What's the now? I guess it would. What's the qualification it, it, it for didn't a cougar? then. Not then. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I guess I guess now it does. Wow. But yeah, my husband's nine years Were younger you, than me. Did, did that turn you off? Were you intrigued? Like, what was your thought about that at first? The crazy thing is, well, initially that's why I thought it was you know him and my cousin because when you know again my specialist grilling him so we knew his age we know all of that, um, but. It never, ever factored in. Most people don't even know. Um, our energy was just so on point. Like mm-hmm. our first date was driving to Lake Lanier and doing a battle back and forth with music. Mm, like that was, like, yeah. Like <laughs> he would pick a song, I pick a song. He pick a song, I pick a song, and we were like battling, uh, which we still do. Um, but it's never factored in. Like, to, like honestly, we forget. Um, and even as we've gotten older, because it'll be we'll be married 18 years, May 21st. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And we still love and like each other. That I part. Mean, girl, that part. That part. We and still, even when you mention yeah. the music, it, it gives me friends. It yeah. gives me y'all like each other. Yeah, we're friends. I don't think people get the importance of that. We have been friends when we were separated. We have been friends when we wasn't speaking. We've been friends when we just were not in love. We loved each other, but not in love. Because what people miss is when you talk about being together 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and everybody thinks, oh my God, they have the fairy tale. No, we just committed every day to stay together through all the hell. Mm. When Beyonce says we've been to heaven with we've been to hell with heaven on our side, girl, that's my favorite line. Mm. We've been to hell with heaven on our side, which means when we both wanted to walk away, what kept us was the covenant. Mm. That's what kept us. So you mentioned um, earlier in our conversation about fidelity. Mm-hmm. And I love having this conversation or asking this specific question to women who have been married more than a decade. Because I always find that married women with some experience have a different perspective not the same perspective, but a different perspective from a single woman who just don't know shit. So what is your, um, your, I guess, belief around infidelity in marriage? Man, I have a lot of, diff- well, I have a lot of thoughts because okay. as a, as a high performance life coach, I've had to deal with it with my clients. Mm-hmm. I've had to deal with it with my friends. Um, and no infidelity is the same because the root and cause is not the same. Mm-hmm. There's times when a woman will know and not be ready to manage or deal with it. There's times when a woman doesn't know. There's a time when a man knows and a time a man doesn't know because infidelity is not just one way. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you have the realities of the cause. Many times when a person is unfaithful, it has nothing to do with the other person or their mate. There's areas in them that they have to grow in. Mm -hmm. There's pain that they're trying to fulfill Mm -hmm. um, that they have to deal with. And so... Every situation is unique in that relationship. And so the one key takeaway is when people say, oh, my God, they cheated. You should leave. But the reality is that sometimes that's not the answer. And then sometimes it's the absolute answer. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you deal with what's the cause and then you have to look at are they willing to make the change? The Bible talks about repentance. Repentance is change. The other key is you can forgive, but forgiveness takes time. 
And if both people aren't mature enough to deal with the forgiveness, aren't able to mature enough to deal with the triggers that come along with the forgiving, um, then you're not going to make it through the process. Mm -hmm. So I have, you know, I know people that have had infidelity in their marriage and the marriage is stronger on the other side. I know people that have had infidelity and the infidelity is still going on. Mm. And I know people that have had infidelity and that they did have to end it because that was the period in their marriage. So we can't just have that blanket girl. One size fits if all. I would, yeah. Cause you, you, and there's so many times and in the work that I do, and I'll say specifically for men, there's so many times when men are unfaithful and they absolutely love the woman they're with. They are so do you get broken. That? Do you understand I that? do now because I work with men. Explain it, because I don't get it. Because some men are so broken through, whether it's through past relationships, whether it's through a brokenness in their relationship with their mother, is it whatever the cause, you know, trying to be a black man in America. Uh, I'll speak, talk specifically for that. Um, but if they don't do the inner work on who they are, then what they do is when that pain comes up, they, they grab whatever numbs the pain. For some, it's drugs. For some, it's alcohol. For many, it's women. And it's not just the act of being with this woman. It's the rush that they get of the woman's attention, the rush that they get from the act of sex. Because many of them, the moment they come, the guilt that they have, it then it adds to, why am I out here doing this, right? And so... There's so much brokenness. Mm -hmm. Now, this does not negate. It does not remove responsibility. And it definitely does not placate the damage that their acts have mm -hmm. with families, with wives, with their children. None of that. But what it does speak to in my call to men and women who love men is encourage them to get the help on the front end. If you see a brokenness in a man, if it's coming out in a way that you know is self-sabotaging, encourage them to get help. Mm -hmm. Encourage them to find a coach. Encourage them to go to therapy because they are broken and they're hurting. There's so many broken homes that could be fixed before the, before the home is broken. Mm -hmm. um, and men, unfortunately, it's more open now to get help. Um, but men, where women think vulnerability is a challenge, men think getting help is weakness. Mm -hmm. um, and they're miserable and they're hurting and they're trying to numb it in so many damaging ways. And what I look at is the, the children, the sons that see this behavior and don't understand the power of getting help, the daughters who see this behavior and think that it's acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the greatest gifts that a man can give his son is to cry and then say to him, son, it's not the tears that's the problem. It's what you do when you get through crying, right? It's how you get up. It's how you manage the emotion. If I could share this quickly, because there's nothing wrong with emotions. Emotions are an indicator. Mm -hmm. So if you're driving your car and the brake light comes on, that's telling you that your brakes need attention. But if you don't give the brakes the attention, the brake light keeps coming on. And eventually what could have been $30 to fix, which is some brake pads, now because you ignored the, the light, you ignored the, 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 um, the light coming on, now you've damaged the brake pads, the rotary, all of that, and you got to replace it. Now it's $700 to $1,000. That's all emotions are. Mm. Emotions are light 
that there's something that is demanding your attention. And the longer you ignore the emotion, the more damage it does. And so those men who don't acknowledge the emotion, they're just creating a pathway for more damage. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier that um, in a lot of black households with a single mother, usually they are raising the daughters and kind of just loving the sun loving on them loving sons. on their sons like the sun <laughs> is the apple of of your eye you can't do no wrong and the daughter is getting all of the I got to make rules, you strong the, you got to do this you got to take care yeah. so you have a daughter yes i have two i have a bonus daughter as okay, well okay okay you have a, i was like dang yeah. i did my research right. i didn't know about the daughter okay you have a bonus daughter you had a bonus baby um one of the things that the late great Kevin Samuels used to talk about mm -hmm. is the fact that black women are not raised to be wives we're raised to be independent with your experience personally, being independent, having this career, and then, you know, wanting to become a wife, transition into, you know, the great role of being a wife, and knowing that you were not prepared to be a wife, you had to learn how to be a wife, what, how is that impacting the way you raise your daughter? Oh, my God, I'm teaching both. So I have a bonus daughter who's 24, okay. I turned 25, and then my baby is 16. And is she 16? Girl, exactly. Oh, wow. That part. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I'm like, time has flown, but Oh, she's okay. about to finish her sophomore year. Wow. All right. Oh, my God. Don't make me cry. I'm going to cry the whole <laughs> senior year. I already know. Yeah. Um, But it has absolutely impacted how I raised them. My bonus daughter, um, I, when I met my husband, she was four. Okay. And she uh, lived with us full time when she was fifth grade. Okay. And so I've, I've raised her in my home. And um, little things like... One thing I just shared, I tell my daughter, it's okay to cry. All that matters is what you do when you get up. Um, I teach her the power of what it means to be gracious with a gentleman, because I told her she got a date in my home. My daughter would not be the one to go off to college and then date for the first time. Mm. Um, but to have, to understand your value. So what I teach her is you owning your value empowers you to then be able to understand and appreciate a gentleman and have and, and give him grace. So you don't have to have this wall, but you do have to have confidence. You don't have to be weak, but you can be vulnerable. You don't have to be a sucker, but you still have to give him grace when he's learning and growing as well. And so I'm, I want her to get what I didn't get. I want her to know at 18, 19, what I didn't learn until 25 and 30. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want her to have to play the fool like I played the fool. Because um, I played the fool to get to this journey. We all. Right? Yes. Oh, I played the because, fool. Did your mom have that conversation with you? No. There, there it is. No. There it is, ladies and no, gentlemen. Not at all. The cure is in the conversation. Yeah. Because for most, again, I always reference black homes because I only know black people. I'm sorry, y'all. This is all I know. But in most black homes, the conversation was stay away from boys. Don't bring no baby up in this house. Keep the, you know, like, that was it. It was yes. like, stay away from boys, off limits, bad, bad, bad. And then you turn 35 and they're like, where's your husband? Yeah. And it's like, sis, that you didn't, you didn't bridge the gap. You told me boys are bad, stay away from them. Fast forward two decades and then you're like, but, but why aren't you married? Why, why don't you, you know how to be in a, a healthy relationship? You didn't teach me. You didn't even talk to me. And so I think sometimes it's, you don't even have to know it all, right? You don't even have to show it all, but let's just talk about it. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's open the door and have the conversation. One of the things I've said to my daughter since she was born is we tell each other everything. And that that's a deep statement. But what it's rooted in is I've always wanted her to know we could talk. 
about everything. Mm-hmm. Like I tell all the time, your girlfriends are as dumb as you are, boo, because we're all <laughs> dumb at 16. So I want her to understand, I'm going to give it to you real. And I say things to my daughter, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to clutch my pearls. Like, I can't believe you said that to me. But I need her to understand that I was 16, and I'm not sitting on this mountain, and now I'm looking down, because some parents do that. Like, I can't believe you did that. Knowing you was doing the same thing. Oh, my God, worse, right? So I want her to respect the wisdom, but I also want her to appreciate that I was there. So, But I have to show her that. Right. I have to show her. Um, And as she gets older, I mean, I'll share things about relationships at the age level. She can understand. Right. Right. Um, But I need us to be able to talk because my mother and I didn't talk outside of she taught me. Here's here's the books to learn what sex is. Mm -hmm. Go read these books. And my dad was don't bring no babies home. You got a future. You're going to be, you know, you, you, I'm an only child. You know, Cher, you're going to be successful. Cher, you'll end up taking care of three generations, your parents, you, and your children. And so he groomed me to be excellent in everything. Um, but when it came to, to boys or men, it was don't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Don't That's get it. pregnant. Yep. Just keep your legs closed. Everything else, just keep your legs closed. Yeah. Don't ask me nothing. Don't say nothing. Just keep your legs closed. Well, my dad told me how to put the rubber on. Okay. So it wasn't keep your legs closed. It was just don't bring it back. Be careful. Don't bring it back home. Gotcha. So he taught me, you put it on, because if you don't, the boy can uh, rip the tip, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you don't want And then you're going to bring a baby in this house. Yeah, my yep. daddy was real with me. I One thing you just <laughs> said that I just want to bring it back, because I've never even heard this before, but I'm stealing. I'm borrowing it. Okay. When I have a baby girl, I want you to date in my home. Yes. You will not go to college and have not dated. Let me tell you about the girls that I know whose parents were so strict. Girls couldn't go nowhere, couldn't do anything. When they got out, I'm talking about like the first day out, (laughs) they were pregnant on like day two. You know, it was just like wild and crazy because their parents had them shackled Mm -hmm. for so long. And I think that does such a disservice. It causes, it creates so much curiosity in that child that when she's finally free, and I say she because I don't think y'all do this to boys. I think this is just a girl thing. But when she's finally free, she is going ham, okay? Mm -hmm. She is going to try it all. She's going to do it all. And you've literally just caused her to do what you were trying to keep her from doing in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. So I love that you said that. And and the thing is, I I want her to learn. So, you know, it's like, you know, it's so much more challenging now than I would want it to be just because of the nature of the dangers that are out there. Because I would love my daughter to have even more freedom than she does have. Like what? um, Like now we have because she doesn't drive yet. So we have to drive her everywhere. Um, And there's certain certain places and spaces that um, we have to go and take her. Right. Well, I wish we could just let her go. Like, let her friend come pick her up and let her go. Well, there's so many graduation parties. We know her in Atlanta. There's been shootings. There's been this. So there's a different level of parental guidance that we have to give her that I really wish we didn't have to. Um, But there is some freedoms we give her because I want her, I want to trust, I want her to trust that what we've put in her, she then makes those decisions. I want her to say peer pressure means nothing to me. When all of her friends are doing whatever they want to do, I want her to be able to make that decision for herself. I want her to be able to say, man, next time I'm not going to do this because I saw how that ended up. So I want her to learn those things in my home. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to be what I saw in college and what you just expressed. Like, Because by the time I got in college, I'm like, been there, done that. And, they, and everybody else, girls gone wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I want her, because I want her to have that full maturity out once she hits 18 to go, baby, it's your time. Are you teaching her to be celibate? 
Um, she made that decision. She says, okay. you know, that's what she wants. She doesn't want to do anything. Um, I am, what I've shared with her is the benefits of it. What I share with her is how you value yourself. And if I can continue to teach her how to value herself, then I have to trust she'll make the right decisions when those decisions present themselves. It's so funny because I had on my notes to talk to you about intentional parenting, and I didn't even know how, how that you were this intentional. I swear when I prepare for these um, interviews sometimes, it's I feel like God has really guided me through preparing for the conversation because you see I haven't even looked at my notes like yeah. I ha we haven't talked about anything on that notepad <laughs> but the conversation still came around to how intentional you are yeah um and so I am very 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 intentional. do you believe in gentle parenting um it sounds like you're pretty gentle I am extremely well my child is amazing so I've been blessed my bonus child I guess I would because even with my bonus child um, and two different human beings raised two different ways under the same roof. Um, but I, what I was very intentional about is learning the person. Mm -hmm. See, I never looked at them as, oh, you're that little child. Go sit down. I looked at them as people that God created and they created at this age, but they're still people. So for me, it was how do I reach my daughter? How do I reach my other daughter where they are? And so Dominique, she's one of those ones that, you got to give her the parameters and let her figure it out and make the decision. Where my Otis is like, okay, tell me every step along the way. Well, I believe when you get to know your children, and that comes from spending intentional time with them, get them off their iPads, get them off those iPhones. Um, but when you spend that intentional time, you get to know them. Um, and then with Dominique, you just hold her to a standard. She wants that standard. With Dynasty, you got to push her, push her, mm. push her, push her. So that would be my intentionality is how do I get to know them and then hold them to that standard. The other thing is I've always taught them for where I want them to be. So when Dominique was, let's say, in the first grade, I was teaching her how I want her to show up when she's in the fifth grade. Mm. And in the fifth grade, I was teaching her how I want her to show up when she's in middle school. And in middle school, I'm teaching her. So now in high school, I'm teaching her how I want her to show up in college. Now, it's not like I'm sitting her down saying, this is what you do in high school mm -hmm. when she's in middle school. But it's the decisions I make. It's the parameters I set. It's the conversations I have um, that I'm actually communicating with her how I want her to think when she's at that next stage in life. So I don't need to go sign up for parenting classes. I just need to call you. Girl, hit me up. Hit me up. I got two boys. Yes. You think it's the same? You think I could just learn these boys and not have to... No, you're going to knock them upside okay. the head. Because, yeah, she 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 does. She the hammer comes down. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. the hammer comes okay, down. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, that sounds real gentle. I be thinking, I be, I be thinking gentle parenting sounds so good. And then, boy, boy, mm -hmm. he start cutting up. And I'm like, oof. Yeah. But you know what? It's setting the expectation. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So, and even with, with boys, it's setting the expectation. Now, here's the, oh, my God, I can't forget this. Because the most important thing I've done um, and I've given this to so many of my friends is when you set the consequence, you better don't do you it back down that part. You better do it. You better do it because the moment you don't. And here's the thing. Don't say it if you ain't ready to do it. But the moment you say it, you got to do it. And it's going to hurt you more than them. But when you set that, then they know. And many times you don't have to whoop that tail. 
because they understand, oh, when she said I won't get this and I don't get that, when I act this way, it's like, oh, okay, I got it. That part. I think I learned that being a teacher. And people would be like, you are so strict. I'm like, no, but you, you're you going to play me next time if I play myself this time. Yeah. And so that's what it comes down to because these kids will play you. And they're so freaking smart. Girl, that two-year-old so is already manipulating me. Girl. I'm just like, they are. he knows so who to smart. ask already. Yes. Yes. I'm my real, daughter. I'm my real husband, weak over here. I need some. Yeah. You're going to have to. I'm going to have to man up. Yeah. yeah. My husband be telling me, you the problem. I'm the problem. Yeah, I and two boys, too. I know. Ooh. They just. Oh. I wanted a boy. Did you? I did. I wouldn't even find out what I was having. You waited? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want for one second for my baby to feel unwanted mm. if it was a girl. So I did not find out um, for that reason. Did you, did you, did you, was your reaction the same when it was a girl? Like that you thought it would be if it was a girl? Um, Actually, it was not. I went, man, I was every cliche. The moment they laid that baby girl in my... It didn't even matter. Oh, my God. And then, and honestly, I wanted a... Well, I wanted a boy. I did want a boy because I wanted to raise a boy. But I also was afraid of having a girl because I told you I'm not a prissy girl. I'm not a girly girl. And I was afraid I'd have a girly girl and we wouldn't have a relationship that we... Is she a girly girl? My baby is a prissy tomboy. She is just <laughs> like me. Worlds. Oh my gosh, she's just like me. She's a tomboy, but she, where I could care less about fashion, my daughter loves to dress. She loves fashion, but she is, she literally plays volleyball, lacrosse, and she just tried out for the flag football team. That's a thing now. Yeah. I just saw somebody, I don't, I don't know who it was, but somebody yesterday posted, um, their niece or little cousin or somebody that got a football scholarship, I mean, a college scholarship for flag football. Flag football. And That's, her school is just starting at this. Where did this come from? Is this, like, recent? It's been in the last maybe four or five years okay. that I know about it. Is it dangerous? Um, No, no, no different than just lacrosse. Because, you know, lacrosse, she plays with that stick. She's had a concussion. Okay. Yeah, volleyball. Yeah. Mm. Hitting the floor. She had a concussion in volleyball. Uh, so flag football, you just pull in the flag. So that is, then we yeah. worry about it. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna touch and agree on some scholarship uh, oh, yes. money. Yes, yes. all yes, of for that the scholarship money. Okay, but before we get out of here, exponential living, your gift, my gift. Yes. But y'all got look, y'all got to get your own. Okay, I yes. got gifted. We're gonna make sure the link is down below so you can grab a copy. What are they gonna walk away knowing or learning after they read this? So exponential living really is the core for all the things we've talked about today, because um, so much of what I shared came from the power of peace, clarity, and courage. And so what exponential living is, is when you genuinely pursue peace, and peace is an inside decision, has nothing to do with what's going on externally. It's the decision you make internally of how you mature in that inner calm. It is guaranteed to give you clarity. Mm -hmm. And one of the greatest challenges we have with relationships and everything else is confusion. So when we get to that place of clarity, um, and when peace and clarity are together, you are guaranteed courage. Mm. And so peace, clarity, and courage is the heart of exponential living. So the book is nine principles that really guide you through and serve as that manual for peace, clarity, and courage. Is it, um, I don't want to say religious-based, but is it? It's self-help. Okay. Um, and it's, it's based, I will say here, it is written for the marketplace. Okay. Now, if you know, you'll go, oh, that's from. Got you. Got but you, if got you, you don't, it's just it's literally. It's not going to be in your face. But it, you, okay, got you. And the interesting thing, when I was getting my book deal, so my publisher is Penguin Random House, and I had four editors that wanted my book. One of them was atheist. One of them was agnostic. One of them was Jewish. 
And the one that was atheist was like, I never read book proposals that have anything to do with what you believe because I don't believe it. Um, she was like, but this, this is just about truth. Mm. This is about truth. It doesn't matter where it came from. It's about truth. And so it's written in a way that I wanted it to read like a novel because um, I really wanted you to get, get I wanted you to it. read it. So people tell me all the time, your book is sitting on my nightstand. Mm. It's my annual read. I'm reading it for the fifth time. Um, so it really is about the principle. There's stories. Uh, and then there's the, the real life example. So Nicole Ari Parker and Boris Kojo, um, they share their story around relationships. Uh, Will Packer shares how to stop working and start maximizing. Mm. Um, I have Ludacris and, and Jeff Dixon and Chaka Zulu talking about exponential living and what that looks like. Um, and then there's just everyday people like us where you may not know their name, um, but they, they share the principle. Uh, and then Usher wrote the foreword uh, and really oh. outlined our relationship over the years. Have you been to Vegas? I know you've seen I've it. I've seen it. Uh, and every time I go, it is absolutely I got to go back and see it again. It's so girl. Is is it gonna, not, I know you got inside info. Is he going to extend again? He going to be there for a little longer? I you don't know? Tell. Okay, tell me off air. Because <laughs> I'm like, how long do I have <laughs> to go see it again? Yeah, you you, you okay. at least got through October. Okay, at least. Well, that's public info. I'm going to get the private scoop when we, when we caught that. I caught that. I caught what you said. But yes, y'all got until at least October. <laughs> go check it out. Check the show notes below, though, to grab your copy of Exponential Living. We will make sure all of Sherry's social media um, information, her website, everything is up on the screen for you all. I have enjoyed this conversation. Can you be my auntie? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I asked auntie, you on camera. Auntie, big sister. Okay. And, and look, and I am that one that when I say it, I mean it. Okay. Yeah. I'm, okay. That, I'm that one. All right. Yeah, you'll get a text from me and be like, oh, she meant that. Okay. All yes. right. Because I need the wife advice, the mother advice, the adult friendship. We didn't even talk about adult friendship. You yeah. got to come back. Yeah, okay. I would love to. She's coming back, y'all. Let me know. Ooh. Comment below. Tell me some stuff I forgot to ask about because this was so juicy that I could not even catch everything comprehended quick enough to, to respond. Like it was it was just too much. So let me know in the comments what you would like to talk about um, with Sherry, what you want to hear about on the next episode. Thank y'all for tuning in. Share this episode with a friend. OK, so much juiciness, so much to really I think the the cure for the culture is having these conversations. And so this is definitely a therapeutic conversation that your homegirls need to hear. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. I'll see you next week. Peace. If you enjoyed that episode, make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any upcoming content and Take it a step further and go ahead and join our private community over on Patreon because it comes with some pretty bomb perks, including early and discounted access to our upcoming events, behind the scene exclusives with some of your favorite guests, the opportunity to call in on an upcoming show, the chance to vote on topics and guests for brand new shows, and I'm even giving you unlimited access to my vault of business classes where I'm teaching you everything from Airbnb to developing digital products and everything in between. And you can get access to our Patreon for as little as $5 a month, okay? Get in where you fit in, and I'll see you on the inside. Peace.